This is The Podcast Method, answering your questions about podcasting, recording, audio and video equipment, software, mic technique, pre- and post-production workflows, and more. I am your host and your friend, Dan Benjamin. Man, it's been a little while since I've done one of these shows, and you know why? Because back, I don't even want to say how long ago it was, back in March of 2017, Uh, I really felt like I had said everything that needed to be said at the time about podcasting, but man, how things have changed. So Dan, why haven't you done a show since then? I'll tell you why. I've been so busy, not just doing the the stuff I do on 5x5 and the other shows I do there and doing ad sales for those shows, but also in building and launching Fireside, fireside fireside.fm. I promise this isn't going to be a commercial for the really awesome, amazing podcast hosting platform that I spent three or a couple of years building and three years perfecting and still working on it every day with a lot of help from a lot of really great people. But yeah, go to fireside.fm if you want to host your podcast. Uh, you know what? I'll even make a, a promo code right on the fly right here for y'all. It's going to be podcast method 2020. Use that promo code over at Fireside and you'll get um, 20% off for your first couple months. Go check it out. But that's it. There's not going to be any sponsors on this episode. Instead, I'm trying something different, something that we weren't really doing a ton of the last time I did one of these episodes, which is Patreon, right? I mean, I had a Patreon back then, but now Patreon seems to be the way that a lot of shows are funded. And that's something that I want to talk about today. Back in the old days when I was doing these episodes in, uh, in, in yesteryear, I talked a lot about the different ways that you can fund and get your podcast funded or supported. And back then it was really advertising, but it was getting harder and harder for people who didn't have huge shows to get sponsors. It's even harder in 2020. It's been impossible for so many of my friends will come to me and they'll say, Dan, I've got this show that I've been doing and we got, you know, we got 15,000 downloads an episode. That's great. I would tell them that's fantastic. And they're like, yeah, but we can't get any sponsors because 15,000 downloads is nothing in 2020. 150,000 now. That's great. That's fantastic. 1.5 million. Yeah, there's a lot of shows today that get millions of downloads per episode. I don't need to tell you about Serial, but there's tons and tons of other ones out there that are getting these crazy, crazy numbers of downloads. None of my shows are getting millions of downloads. I can tell you that. Some are getting... Uh, you know, 50, 70,000, sure, but hundreds of thousands, that is a whole different ball game. And there are lots of shows that are getting that. There's lots of shows on Fireside that I, I, I can see the stats come through in summary. And there are lots of shows that are getting those kinds of downloads. And that's what sponsors want in 2020. They won't talk to you unless you get 40, 50, 60,000 and up. Now, how do we sell for them at five by five? It's because we have a long standing relationship with those sponsors and because we represent a ton of shows. So adding a new show, even a show that might only only get 15 or 20,000 downloads. Well, that's fine because we can add that as a line item. They're already paying us money. So for them, it's like, yeah, sure. We'll try that show. No big deal. But for the independent podcaster who's getting 5, 10, 15, 20,000 downloads an episode, which is huge. I just want to say again, that's a huge number. They are not going to have a chance to get even get in front of most sponsors without the help of like an agency, like 5 by 5 or something like that. And we can only sell for so many shows. We, we are like a small boutique operation. So what are you supposed to do? What is the independent podcaster supposed to do? They are supposed to what? Got not get paid for their hard work? Well, yeah. Dynamic ad insertion? Well, maybe. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But before that, I want to talk about something like Patreon. Patreon, whether you're using Patreon or PayPal or Memberful or something, but I'm talking about listener domain donations. Listener donations are the best way for smaller, and you know what, even bigger podcasts to uh, to make money. Um. It, it, they're really, you have this wonderful, and this is the same thing I used to talk about years ago. You have this wonderful connection with your listener. Your listener shows up and they're connected to you and they are prepared to give you money because they like the thing that you're making. And that's that's pretty awesome. 
I mean, I'm just blown away by all these shows nowadays that are the people doing them are making well into full-time salaries, six-figure salaries, just doing this. And there are tons of success stories out there. Um, an example of that would be a show that I do called Roadwork. I do this show with John Roderick of The Long Winners. And, uh, you know, we, we're pretty close to our first goal, which is to, to make $5,000 a month. We're at about $4,000 a month. Uh, and it's, it, that's huge. And this is a show we've been doing for years. I'll tell you, we don't have anywhere near 100,000 downloads per episode. Nowhere near that. But we're making an income from that. And that's not a nothing income. That's a, a nice chunk of money. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, paying all of our bills. We couldn't just do that show. But that is a significant amount of money for a show to make. And you can do that too on Patreon. And what I've found, and a lot of people will do, as a Patreon incentive, as a way to give back to their listener, they might release the show early on Patreon. They might release a special version of the show, or they might release entirely new bonus content of the show. Now, we do something, we, we actually do all three on Roadwork. So we will release the regular episode with sponsors in it. That's what goes out on 5x5. But what comes out for the Patreon supporters, they get actually two other shows. They get one sponsorless episode where there are no sponsors at all in it, just the natural flow of the conversation. That's the same thing that you'd hear on the main website if you were just a, a, a non-supporter, uh, just with, the, with no ads in there. And then the second thing they get is a completely new bonus show, and they get that every time we record a show. Well, there's been some exceptions, but almost every time we record a show, they get a bonus episode. And that bonus episode is an entirely different additional show. We record an hour, usually an hour long bonus show every week. And that's what the Patreon supporters get. Now that's a bit different. And, and there are two attitudes when you're going into to do content on Patreon or paid content or supported content. On the one hand, you have, uh, you have the option of just giving them the show early. And we'll do that too. Sometimes we'll release the sponsorless version of the show early. But I think the expectation for podcasters in 2020 anyway, is that you're going to give me something as a listener. You're going to give me something extra. I don't just want your show early. I want additional content. I want special content. I want something that you can't get any other way. And that might mean that you're doing extra work. Now, don't forget about those people who just release content just for Patreon listeners. They don't even have a public podcast. But I've got to tell you, I'm still not convinced that that's the future of podcasting, that uh, the, we'll call it the HBO model or the Netflix model, where you're going to go somewhere and you're going to pay to get access to shows. That just has not worked so far. It hasn't worked. Lots of places have tried it, but it hasn't worked. One thing that I have seen work is taking the back catalog away after a certain period of time. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's two months, but so let's say it's two months. Any show older than two months, that's in the back catalog. Only Patreon subscribers can get to that. What I'm saying for you is get creative. There are a lot of options out there and a lot of choices for you if you want to provide content and get paid for it with that direct engagement from your audience. And I love, we love the the thing we do on on the, the road work after our show, the, the bonus show, is it is a lot of listener feedback. People will write into us, we'll talk about their situation, we'll give our advice or our thoughts or whatever. And it's such a wonderful way to connect with users. And I'll tell you what, every week we get dozens of emails from our listeners with thoughts, ideas, questions, concerns, and it's wonderful. And I feel like I like I know my listeners. And I've had people come up to me and say, Oh, I, I wrote you, I wrote you guys. You know, if I'm at like a conference or something, oh, I wrote you guys, you answer my question on the air. It was so cool. It's a, the best kind of listener engagement. And before I do the listener engagement here, because I've got some questions from y'all. See, that's another thing I just noticed. The last time I did the show, I didn't say y'all. I said you guys, because I'm from Philly. And now I live in Texas and I've been here for like almost 10 years. And I say y'all now. So howdy, y'all. Maybe that's how I should open the show. 
But let's talk about dynamic ad insertion. D-A-I. This is something that people have been talking about. And I was bashing this like crazy, this dynamic ad insertion back in 2017 and, and beyond. I just didn't like it. it. And I still don't love it. It doesn't sound genuine. It's, it sounds like a dropped-in ad, which I'm not a big fan of. And in our experience, selling ads now for more, what, 13, 14 years, sponsors don't generally like it. Well, then why are sponsors doing it? Why can you do dynamic ad insertion if it's so horrible? Well, going back to our original topic, it's still a really good way for the smaller podcaster to get ads where they couldn't otherwise get ads. It's also a good way for the bigger podcaster to sell ads into their back catalog. A lot of sponsors, when they're buying a, sh- buying a, a spot on your show, they're going to expect that ad to stay there forever. So if you ever plan on doing dynamic ad insertion or filling your back catalog, you need to be very careful about that. Look at the contracts that they're giving you, or if you're providing it, make sure it's explicitly says, we have the option after X amount of time, that could be 90 days, it could be six months, whatever, it could be a year, whatever it is, that you keep that option open for yourself to replace those ads sometime down the road. You do not want to get stuck as we have gotten stuck with many, many, many shows because our old contracts used to say this will be in there forever. So we can't replace those spots. We could add other spots, sure, but I'm not doing that. So be careful. If you're signing an agreement with a sponsor and you think you might want to backfill ads into it, you can do that. But dynamic ad insertion, it has proved itself as a way to make some money. But it's such a disappointment to me. It's such a disappointment to me when someone comes to me and said, yeah, you know, we're, um, we're putting uh, dynamic ads into our shows. We really want to make some money that way. And then a month or two later, they're getting two, three spots per episode and they're making 20, 30 bucks an episode. You might say, well, that's 30 bucks they didn't have. You're right. It's 30 bucks they didn't have. But at what cost? They're disrupting their show. The ads don't feel genuine. They feel dropped in. So I'm still, I'm still pushing for the listener support model, the, if you will, the patron model. I just think that's a wonderful thing to do. And as I've shown, you can still do it with a commercial podcast. Now, if uh, if I do decide to start taking ads on podcast method again, which I might, uh, but that's going to be based on you all. If you guys support the show, then I won't. But if not enough of you support it, and I want to make a little bit more money than I've been making uh, for the show, uh, then I might run ads again. You have to be careful with that because people will get resentful if they feel like they're paying for the show, but there's still ads in it. It kind of has to be one or the other. So that's that's where I come from saying, if you're going to have patrons supporting you, you're, you'd best remove the ads from that show when you release it to them. That's part of the perk. Uh, or you can give them other content that makes up for it. So there you go. Now, there is some news. I'm going to do a news segment. Isn't that crazy? Because back in 2017, there really wasn't any podcast news. There just wasn't any. There wasn't, I mean rarely you'd get some something in the news happening rarely but now yeah now there's lots of news there's so much news right now that there are people who spend every day all day writing newsletters just trying to cover all of this news i don't know that i'll do a long news segment in every episode but since it's been so long and since a bunch of things have happened recently i thought it was worth mentioning something so before we get to that the listener questions and feedback I'll just talk about some news. And you know what? This is analysis news. I'm not just going to be telling you the news and moving on to the next topic. No, no, that's not what you're going to find here on the podcast method. You're going to get hardcore analysis of the news based on my 14 years of podcast experience and what I think. So there's my resume. Spotify, as you all heard, is buying The Ringer. This is Bill Simmons' The Ringer. Spotify's buying everything right now. I don't know if you've noticed. If you pay any attention at all to podcasting, Spotify owns everything. And for a while, the last few months, there were these huge debates going on of exactly how, what, who's bigger in podcasting? Who, who, whose software is being used more? What platform is being used more? Spotify or Apple? 
Spotify has been super aggressive in entering this podcast space. And it makes sense why I've said it before. Really, podcasts are a free, I mean, it's not totally free, but it's, it's a very, very inexpensive way for them to get content on their platform. Who wouldn't want to get their podcast onto Spotify? Everybody should. It's a platform. It's out there. Why wouldn't you? I think it would be a great idea. And I thought it was such a good idea that I built that feature into a fireside. One click and your podcast is on Spotify, right? And that's how it is with a lot of hosts and not just fireside. Uh, but that's how important it is. And they've provided an API. You build some code. They hit a button and boom, their show is on Spotify. And now however many billion people are on Spotify can find your show and listen to it. Why not? Why would you not want your show on every single platform besides SoundCloud that you could get it on? You would. You should want it everywhere. Even YouTube. What? I used to say it was the dumbest thing in the world to upload your podcast to YouTube. I don't think that anymore. I don't think it's a great place to upload it. But if you're going to be putting it out there, put it out there. I am still a big believer that if you're going to put content on YouTube, you should have some video going along with it. Set up a web camera and video yourself while you're recording and put that on YouTube instead of just a podcast with your logo sitting there. But you know what? You want to? I had so many requests from Fireside customers that were building YouTube integration into Fireside. So that'll be one of your destinations. You click a button and it automatically publishes it to YouTube, does all the work for you, converts it to a video, puts your logo on it, uploads it onto your account, blah, blah, blah. We're, it's built. I'm coming out with it soon. But I was so opposed to them. Like, that doesn't make sense. I don't want to watch a, just somebody's logo. I'm going to YouTube to, to, to look at YouTube. But you know what happened? I watch a lot of YouTube, but a lot of it I'm not really watching. I'm just listening. And it occurred to me, I'm like, that's why people want it on there. When I'm listening to this, uh, I'm listening to this thing on YouTube. I'm not really watching. They could show the logo. I don't need to see the person's head. Uh, listen to the listen to it. And so, yeah, that's basically what I'm uh, what I'm building in a fireside. And I think you should consider doing that too. Put your content in as many platforms as you can, including Spotify. Now, here's the interesting thing. I've heard a bunch of different numbers of uh, of how much the Ringer actually sold for. I've heard that that they got 195 million dollars for the Ringer. <clears throat> now, I have some bad news for all you listening. Uh, you're not going to get $200 million for the stuff that you're doing in podcasting. You're just not. And neither am I, uh, unfortunately for us all. Um, mainly because we're not Bill Simmons. But if you happen to be, maybe there's a few Bill Simmons type people listening. Um, if you have that kind of pull and you decide to set up a podcast uh, and podcast network, then maybe you could. The point is, Spotify is out there spending, they spent four to five hundred million dollars. They got, as you know, they got Gimlet Media, they got Parcast, they got the Anchor Platform, and now they have Bill Simmons, the ringer. They are really, really doing an amazing job of getting content, unique content. And right now it seems fine. Right now it seems cool because like you can still go listen to those shows, but what's going to happen? Are they going to start charging for them? Are they going to only allow them to be listened to by a certain level of uh, subscription on Spotify? Probably. I don't know. Just keep looking, keep watching. Because I don't like that. I don't want one or two or three companies to control all the content. I mean, I pay for Spotify as it is. So I'd be able to get that content unless they added another level or more expensive uh, level, I might not sign up for that. Would you? I'd be curious to hear it. If you want to give me some feedback, you can send me an email. I'm dan at 5x5.tv. Send me an email. I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. And that's a fine place to ask me questions or share things too. Uh, oh, and I, I did want to mention, uh, if you do want to support the show, and I would love it if you would consider supporting the show, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast method, of course. And, uh, and join the, the group of people that are there. And I haven't decided yet what I'm going to give you as a bonus. But if you love the show and you're glad it's back and you want me to do lots and lots and lots of them for you, uh, I would love to do that. Support the show with whatever you think is fair, whatever it's worth to you. If I'm doing an episode a week, what's that worth to you? Is it worth five bucks? 
I think it's worth 10. I think it's worth 50, but it's up to you. Whatever you think, I'll be grateful for it. And you will be directly supporting me in a very noticeable way. So I thank you for that. And I thank you to all the people who are currently supporting me there. Uh, Speaking of support, I've got some more links in here that are just crazy numbers, podcast advertising. This is on a website called eMarketer. I mean, how smart is that? I'm sorry to the eMarketer people, but that's just, I hate hate the term marketing and I, I hate smarmy stuff. But that's okay. This is a good article. Podcast advertising revenues will surpass 1 billion by 2021. These figures are coming in from the IAB and the PWC. And think about that. $1 billion. Marketers spent $479 million on podcast ads in 2018. And they're going to surpass $1 billion by 2021. That's insane growth. If you're wondering about those in between years, 2019 was 678 million, 2020 they project at 863 million. And then crossing a billion in 2021. You want a piece of that? I do. Actually, I don't. I just want you all to support the show. I don't want to deal with sponsors anymore, but it's 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 just the way of the world. Now, another little bit of uh, information at the very bottom of this article I just thought was really interesting. Number of podcasts listened to by U.S. Weekly podcast listeners in February 2019. I don't know if U.S. Weekly podcast listeners represent an average podcast listener. I have no idea, but that's what we've got here. And uh, 21% of U.S. Weekly podcast listeners in February 2019, 21% of them were listening to four to five podcasts. That's how many they were listening to. 14% were listening to over 11 and 16% was listening to just, just one. So the bulk of, the, of that, the message from that, I would say, is that the bulk of the listeners are listening to four or five shows in a given week. This brings me to another topic. I've talked about this before in the past. How, how long should your podcast episode be? I used to say it should be about an hour. Because what that does is that's that's reasonable amount of time to sit and listen to a show if that's what you're doing, whether you're at work or whatever, but also makes for a good, most people's commutes are 20 to 30 minutes from door to door, about, if you're lucky, it's less, mine's less. But if it's 20 to 30 minutes, then that means you can generally speaking, listen to an entire podcast episode in the morning while you're driving into work and finish it when you get home. So I still say an hour, but if you want to hit that sweet spot, there is that 20 to 30 minute sweet spot that you can hit. That's pretty cool. Now I'm going to warn you, today's episode of Podcast Method will be longer than 20 or 30 minutes. It's going to be probably a really awkward time. Not long enough to listen to on your commute to and from work, but, uh, but that's okay. I'm going forward with it anyway. Uh, Another bit of information, this one came from Nielsen. They're saying that the podcast audience, the number of listeners they think will double by 2023, they're saying that it has an annual growth rate of 20%. That means more and more people are kind of waking up to podcasts. They're waking up to, to, to what's, what's out there in the world. Uh, my mom, for example, who's retired in her seventies, uh, listens to lots and lots of podcasts and we're all, we're always talking about them. The, my, uh, my, my, the guy that sells me the fish in the whole foods, when I go and buy a piece of fish, he's recommending podcasts to me now. Uh, how cool is that? Like everybody's listening to podcasts. How different is this from three years ago, six years ago? 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I had to explain to people what a podcast was. Five years ago, I still had to explain what a podcast was to a lot of people. Now everybody knows. They're explaining to me what they think a podcast is, and it's great. Uh, my, my, my friends over at Chartable had a big announcement. They are IAB uh, certified now. What is IAB uh, certification for podcasts? IAB is the Internet Ad Bureau's certification that says what a download should be. What is a download? They have come up with a methodology for evaluating 
what they consider to be a true download. You're like, well, wait, a download's a download, right? No, come on. You've heard me talk about this in other episodes. I'm not even going to talk about that anymore. It's uh, Everyone knows. I'll try and find the prior episode where I talk all about what a real download is, but there's different ways of figuring it out. Part of it can be, well, how, how much time did somebody listen to the show? How much of the show was downloaded? Was it streamed? You know, when did they play? It's very, very difficult because we don't get, we as podcasters and we as podcast hosting companies, we don't get to know what happens after somebody has downloaded a podcast. How many podcasts are you subscribed to in your podcast app? My guess, if you're listening to this show, it's more than a couple. Do you listen to every single one of them? If you do, I'm proud of you. If you don't, that's all right. But those downloads are still getting counted. Because once your client, your podcast client has downloaded that MP3 file from the server, they have no idea what you do to it. Do you listen to it? Does it just sit there in a queue? Do you delete it? They have no way to know. All they know is that it was downloaded. Well, there are some companies that have tried to come up with you know, ways to track listener behavior. Is it being downloaded? Is it not? Most podcast clients, if they do track this, they're not sharing it. They're certainly not sharing it with the hosting companies. And I would love to get that information because it would be really wonderful to be able to say, look, this episode that I recorded people didn't skip the ads and they listened to the whole show or they all stopped at about 30 minutes. I wonder what I did wrong at 30 minutes, that kind of thing. We cannot get any of that information. But as far as counting downloads, the methodology that IAB came up with is pretty good. I have some flaws. We're not going to do a, an IAB certification dissection, but uh, it has very quickly become the standard. There are other standards and other people working on download tracking and we do a lot of that work in Fireside too. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's really hard. It is, a, it is a mysterious art to try and determine what counts as a download and what doesn't. And it's something that we take very seriously and I spend a lot of time thinking about. But anyway, congratulations to them. What does that mean? That means they did a lot of work behind the scenes proving that their download numbers are accurate and proving that they uh, go along with the methodologies that the IAB has laid before us. And it also means they paid a lot of money to get IAB certification. I don't know exactly how much money it costs. Not really. But I've heard things. You're going around in this business long enough, you hear things. I've heard it costs about $50,000 to get an IAB certification. I, I don't know if that's true but that's what I've heard. That's a whole lot of money to spend for IAB certification. When people have come to me and said, oh, is Fireside IAB certified? I say, no, our stats are are, um, IAB compatible. They could be certified. I'm just not willing to spend tens of thousands of dollars so that I can put a little IAB badge on the website. I don't think it's necessary. And we're not yet at a point where advertisers require it in order to uh, sponsor a show. We may get there. I may one day have to spend $50,000 if I have the money. Um, but I really, uh, I really think that there should be an open standard. And there is an, uh, an open standard that's being worked on. Um, and I'll put that into the uh, show notes if I can... Uh, if that's something you guys would like to see, I can, uh, I can put that in there. But I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of money. Hard pill to swallow. Um, speaking of uh, tough pills to swallow, you remember SoundCloud? Well, they're still around. I know some of the folks over at SoundCloud, and I, I like SoundCloud. Kind of. I don't think it's the best place to host a podcast. But a lot of people put their podcasts there. Now, Sirius XM, you remember them? They're around too. They made a $75 million investment in SoundCloud and boy, did SoundCloud need it. I can't believe SoundCloud is still going after all the trouble that they have run into. And there are really nice people working at SoundCloud. I just, I don't think they get podcasting the way that other platforms get podcasting, but man, they have been, they were like, like right on the edge. They went from a free service to a partially paid one back in 2017. They laid off 40% of their staff. They closed a whole bunch of offices. Then they got a $170 million investment and that carried them further. But they're, 
they're just still been struggling. It's a wonderful place for artists to go to put their music out there. It just never really clicked with the podcast audience. Maybe that will change with SiriusXM. Maybe Sirius thinks this is the way that they can get into podcasting too. That'd be interesting to watch. But they'd spent, not that long ago, $3.5 billion getting Pandora. Sirius did. So that's interesting. And who knows? I mean, Pandora, apparently people don't like it after Sirius got it. They said that it, um, it's not an individual, it's not fun anymore or something. Maybe that will happen to SoundCloud too. Who knows? We're going to have to wait and see. Google Podcasts redesigned their podcast homepage, if we can still use that term in 2020, podcast.google.com. It'll be in the show notes. Pretty cool. They changed some things around in typical Google fashion. It's a plain white page with some rounded uh, edged logos of podcasts on there. Yeah. Go check it out. And uh, the last link that I have for y'all is uh, podcast subscriber tracking is pointless. This is an article on Medium by somebody named Evo Terra, who claims that he was the 40th podcaster in the world back in like 2004 or something like that. Pretty cool claim to fame. Um, In this article, he just says simply subscribe, trying to worry about podcast subscribers is pointless. I've been saying this for years. It is pointless to try and think of how many subscribers you have. That means nothing, nothing. You want actual download counts and you want listener counts. I'm not even going to spend any more time talking about it. If, if you don't believe me or if you want to hear what, what, uh, what Evo, 40th podcaster has to say, go check out the article. It'll be in the show notes. Oh, and where are the show notes? Well, you'll see them right there in your podcast app, won't you? But if you don't, you can go to podcastmethod.fm slash 27 because that's the number that we're on today. So you can go ahead and go there. and All the show notes will be there waiting for you. Now, I did promise that I was going to do some listener feedback and answer some questions that you guys have asked me. And that is exactly what I'm going to do right now. I tweeted out that I was recording a new episode. And here are some of the questions. Dan Hawk. This is all coming in through Twitter. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. If you have questions for me. And, and by the way, um, use the hashtag podcast method like we used to do in the old days. That just makes it easier for me to find them. If you ask me, you know, like between shows. Uh, so Dan Hawk says, what's the best platform for recording with multiple guests? This is a wonderful question. If you had asked me this a few years ago, I would have said, I use logic. I don't use logic to record anymore. I still use it to edit. I love logic pro 10 for editing, but uh, am I supposed to say X who knows and who cares? That's what I use to edit and it just works, but I don't record with that anymore. What, what are you using, Dan? I'm using audio hijack. I use Audio Hijack to record everything now. There is so, I was using it before, but for other things. I was using different, so I was sometimes using Skype Ecamm recorder. Sometimes, most of the time I was using Logic. Now it is all Audio Hijack. I do that when we're recording a show we do called The Picard, which is all about Star Trek Picard. I record, you know, three of us, or sometimes there'll be four of us here in the studio uh, recording Uh, I do it all with Audio Hijack Pro. When I'm recording people remotely, I'm still using Skype, but I'm capturing the audio from Skype into Audio Hijack Pro. Now, I am going to be doing a video on the Podcast Method uh, YouTube channel uh, explaining exactly how I accomplish all of this stuff because it's something that would be very easy to explain visually, but very, very, very difficult to just talk about. Uh, But I'm using Audio Hijack Pro. If you're on a Mac, this is the most wonderful software to use. So I have, oh, and I I mean, man, I gotta have to talk to y'all about the different uh, hardware that I'm using these days too. It's very different hardware uh, to record with. I'm still on my Shure SM7 mic. Um, uh, You know, I'll put put all these in the the show notes. Um, Still on that mic. Still on my Heil Boom, but I'm now plugged into a completely different device. If you remember back in those times, I was using the Universal Audio uh, device that was um, the Thunderbolt one. I'm forgetting the exact name of the Apollo with Thunderbolt. I have since changed and I've actually used a few different devices between now and then. 
for a while I was using the universal uh, Apollo arrow. Uh, the arrow is a very cool little two port mic amp preamp that plugs into your computer with Thunderbolt three, which is the USB C style input. And I use this thing with the DSPs for a while, but as I started doing more in studio recording where I had multiple guests, it started to get more and more frustrating and difficult because I was having to have uh, multiple, I don't even want to talk about it. It's embarrassing. I was having to have multiple audio interfaces plugged in the same way. It was a mess. And I said, you know, I'm just going to switch to something that is a little bit more flexible with some more ports. And yeah, it won't have the live uh, included, you know, DSPs and stuff like that, but I can do that stuff in post. And it's not like the live broadcasting sounds bad without those effects going, uh, in live. So I got a focus, right? Scarlet, uh, 18i8 third gen. This is a USB audio interface and it is, uh, let's see the price on it currently where I got it at Amazon is $359. So it's not, this isn't beginner. I would say this is intermediate or maybe even advanced level podcasting. But what's great about it is it has a total of four mic inputs and then an additional four line inputs, which means you could plug computers or other things that don't need a preamp into it. You're not going to get any like you can't really do anything to the the signal on the fly. You're going to have to do it in post, but that's no big deal. Uh, Logic has wonderful filters and things you can add. So this is what I've been using and I've been really, really happy with it. It's I've got to max out the gain in order to power this Shure SM7, which is a kind of gain-hungry dynamic mic that I love, that everybody loves, that I've used forever. It was the first professional mic that I ever got and I've still got it and it's still working all these years later. Uh, I've used tons of mics in between now and then. I've used the Telefunken. I've used uh, the Hall PR40. I've used so many different things. And I always find myself coming back to this microphone. For me, for my voice, for the stuff I do, it just works. Uh, and uh, and the Scarlet has plenty of gain for it. Well, plenty of gain maybe is uh, is a little bit too much. It has enough gain for it if I max the gain out. But it's very quiet gain. So doing that is quite all right. Now, the... Um, the Universal Audio Arrow has plenty of gain and plenty of space for these mics and lots of other ones. So I highly recommend that. The one thing that really bugged me about the Arrow, I must say, is uh, every time that you essentially want to turn it off, you have to unplug it. It is not independently powered. It's bus powered. It's powered over that Thunderbolt 3 connection. That's Great, because if you're on the road, you don't have to have an extra cable. One cable, it's powered by your computer. It's good to go. But if you're like recording on and off throughout the day or the week, I don't want to leave that thing sitting on. I mean, I know audio gear is designed to be left on 24-7, but I don't, I don't want that to be on. And it's just, it seems dumb to have to plug and unplug something just to turn it on every time. Maybe I'm nitpicking, but that's how I felt about it. I still have it. I still love it. But uh Yeah. So uh, as far as the platform, I really, truly love Audio Hijack Pro. I don't know what the equivalent would be on Windows. So if you're a Windows user and you have something you really like that allows you to record tons and tons of tracks from different devices and sources and route them, and you can even, I mean, they, they used to have a software called NiceCast that let you stream live. That's built in to Audio Hijack. Uh, you can have low pass filters built in. You can watch the peak levels. You can record in any format that you want. MP3, WAV, AIF, you name it. In exactly the format and levels that you want. There's so much that you can do. It's amazing the work that they put into this. So go consider that. Check that out. I, I think it's fantastic. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. I'm just I'm making little notes uh, to, to, to share stuff with you. I think that's fine. I can do that during the show. Why not? Uh, somebody named G Gil, G U I L. I hope I'm saying that right. Hey Dan, I have two questions. Have you tried the Rodecaster pro and what other apps are great to record with besides audacity, audition, and garage band? Well, I've answered your second question already. Audio hijack. Now, did I just call it audio hijack pro? I think I did. But I'm sorry if I did. It's not Audio Hijack Pro. That product was discontinued when they relaunched the brand new Audio Hijack. So if you're thinking of Audio Hijack Pro, no, no. Audio Hijack 
that's all, that's the new hotness. You get to check it out. Um, you can record with logic too, Guile, Gil, Gil. Uh, and he asks if I have used the Rodecaster Pro. The Rodecaster Pro is so cool. I love this thing. It is so interesting. And I love, now some people call it Roadie. Roadie. Some people call it Rode. I don't know. I've always called it Rode. If I'm saying it wrong, Rode people, I'm really sorry. But basically, the Rodecaster Pro, it is what they, they call it an integrated podcast production studio. It's got little uh, faders. It's got a preamp built in. It's got, I mean, like it has everything. It seems like super cool. It's got four mic preamps and, uh, and, and it'll, it'll power your dynamic or your condenser microphones, of course. And it has like automatic level setting. You can record onto a micro SD card. I want one of these things. I think this thing would be amazing. I don't think that it would replace what I'm already using, but if you were like building a podcast studio where you were expecting people to just come in and sit down and use it, you can do that. But what's also cool is it's got eight sound effect pads. So you can put music or, you know, you want to do a sound machine like I do on uh, Killing Time. You can do all of that. And it's so cool. You just like drag and drop it from your computer. I've seen a demo of this and it, it's just right there. Um, it also, you can connect your phone with Bluetooth, like your iPhone or your Android phone, and it'll give you a mix minus audio signal that allows you to do guests over regular phones. So you could do a call-in show or you could have a guest who's like, I, I don't know what Skype is. How am I supposed to dial into your show? Oh, just call me and we'll get you on the air that way. How cool is that? I want one of these things just to try it out, just to talk to you about it more. And I would definitely do a video review of this thing on uh, on the Podcast Method YouTube channel that's uh, going to be coming out soon. So uh, Gil, Guile, Ghoul, hopefully that answers your question. Um, okay. Dwayne Diker, Daker, gosh, I'm, I'm not good with names. Sorry. Um, asks a couple of questions, but I'll take the second one. Uh, he says, can you plug two USB mics into a laptop for remote recording with two guests and record both tracks with GarageBand? Thanks. Well, the, the answer is yes. You can absolutely plug two USB mics into, uh, into a Mac and uh, and your GarageBand should be able to see them and allow you to use both of them. I can't guarantee that it will work that way with uh, with every single microphone, with every single audio input. Uh, but generally speaking, GarageBand should be able to handle that. It should work correctly with that. Um, but you know your mileage may vary. Now I can tell you that Audio Hijack. 1000% does that. Why do I know? How do I know? Well, I've done it. Uh, I've done it and uh, I've done it a lot. And so if that's a thing that you want to do and you're not sure, then by all means, you know, consider getting, uh, you know, upgrading a little bit to, um, to, to something like audio hijack because it, it will definitely do that. Uh, and as far as what microphone to use, gosh, there are so many different microphones that you like, uh, that, that you might like to use. There are so many that I've used USB microphones and, and otherwise. And, um, the one that I have been using recently is from Samson. I'll put it in the show notes. It's called the Q2U. They sell it as a recording and podcasting pack. It is a mic that I really like because it is both USB and XLR. And as you know, my setup here is XLR. But if I want to, if I'm on the go, if I'm traveling, this is a microphone that is uh, the same basic. It's, you know, it's, it's what you'd call an SM58. If you know what the, if you, if you close your eyes and imagine somebody is on a stage singing or talking into a microphone, the microphone you're imagining, it's probably a sure SM58 uh, that's just what people most of the time use. And it's one of the best, most reliable microphones in the world. This Samson mic is just like that microphone, except it, in addition to having XLR, it has a USB port too. And it also, because they're smart people over there, it also lets you plug your headphone into it. 
So you can listen and monitor with your headphones. I've talked to you a billion times about how important it is to monitor yourself as you're recording. So you would plug your headphones into the bottom of it along with the USB cable or the XLR cable. You can hear yourself and guess what? Then you go in and you set the microphone. I know this sounds weird. You set the microphone as the audio output. So the person you're talking to on Skype, if they're there, you're going to hear them through those headphones too. And there's no lag and it's wonderful. And this is the microphone that I take with me everywhere I go. And they sell it uh, with a little, uh, it comes with its own little lightweight mic stand that I really, uh, really enjoy. Uh, You can't go wrong with this thing. And it sounds really good. I'll put that in the show notes, the Samson Q2U. So if you're looking for a microphone that you can use by plugging in with USB and later you think you might want to upgrade and get a preamp with XLR, this is the mic for you. Uh, let's see. Chad Hopkins says, what are your necessities in the way of tech and planning discussion for a live show on a stage in front of an audience? Great question. A lot of the time you don't even get to be involved in that. When you show up, uh, they've already got it set up. You're sitting down at the table and they're like, here's your microphone, talk into it. And then you can like beg them for a copy or, uh, you know, of the, of the audio that was recorded. But if you're the one that's setting this up, you know, The best way to do it, and you have to remember, you have to understand your audience, but more importantly, you have to understand whoever is going to be podcasting or making those recordings. Are these seasoned professionals who know how to have really good mic technique and who understand all of the ins and outs of recording? If they are, well, then put your favorite mic on there. But if they're regular people or people who uh, are maybe just traveling and showing up and Oh, hey, I'm going to be on stage. Give them something like the Shure SM58 or something like that. It looks like a regular microphone. It's not in, it's intimidating enough for people to be on stage. It's intimidating enough for people to record, especially if they're not used to it. Why give them something that looks like the Shure SM58 or the Heil PR40 with some crazy shock mount around it? That is super scary to people. But if you just give them something that looks like the microphone that their principal stood in front of the, the, the entire student body with at every pep rally or something, that's not as intimidating. So I love that kind of microphone. If you're going to be broadcasting out to an audience, you're going to need a real mixer. You're going to need that to be hooked up to the audio system. That's way outside of the scope of what I can do to answer this question on, on this show. But consider first and foremost that microphones should not be intimidating. If you really want a recommendation, uh, direct message me and I'll I'll maybe give you some recommendations for uh, hardware. But again, you're going to have to, you know, understand what their PA systems are and it's a whole thing. So um, we'll do that offline. And, uh, and the last question was another one from uh, Dwayne Diker. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Diker. I don't know. Dwayne, I'm so sorry. I'm messing up your name. He says, I'd love you to give an update on Fireside and how things are going. I'll end on this then. Fireside's going great. Uh, It's one of those things that it's very much a passion project for me, but it's also most of what I do now, day in and day out, whether I'm working to build new features or writing the code or trying to, to grow the business. It's been the biggest challenge of my life, way, way harder than five by five. Um, and, uh, and, and it's been a labor of love in a lot of ways, but it's, you know, we've got thousands of podcasts on there and we have quite a few customers and we have the best customers. I have to tell you the feedback that I get from them, the suggestions, the tickets, the support tickets that they, that they fill out. It's a wonderful, wonderful community of people. It's wonderful to be building something that people really use and rely on. And it's scary because, it's a lot of pressure to make it great. And I remember back in the day when I was invited to go visit Twitter, the Twitter HQ in San Francisco. And so I was sitting in the room with the people who were building Twitter and it was a small group of people at the time. And I was talking to them about their client. That was the iOS client developers. And I'm like, man, can't you change this thing? Or wouldn't it be great if you could add this feature or if you could change the way this works? And they're like, those are really great ideas, Dan, but you know what? We can barely make any changes at all because even the most subtle, tiny change affects millions and millions and millions of people. And this is back when 
before the 2016 election when Twitter was still small by comparison. And I, it, it hit me then, but it didn't really, really make sense until I had this fireside platform where if I change one little thing, that's going to affect thousands of people and the way that they work and their workflows. And even if it seems like an improvement to me, and it might be an improvement, it's still changing something. So you really do have to be careful. I've learned so much by building this platform and there are so many new features that are poised to roll out. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about it because you're cool. You're listening to this show, so you're, you're cool. Uh, we're coming out with some new plans. I can't talk about them yet, but there will be a pro plan. The pro plan will have pretty much all the features that everybody's ever asked for. And we might even come out with a uh, starter plan too. I, I have said too, I'm sorry. Did I say too much? I've said too much. I'm being told I've said too much and I must wrap the show now, but I love that you're listening to the show. I welcome you back to the podcast method. There will be a podcast method newsletter coming out. There is a YouTube channel coming out where I'm going to review gear and things like that. And so if you have any requests or suggestions, Send them to me. Just email me. Dan at 5x5.tv is the place to uh, to send that email. I would love to get your thoughts, your questions. If there is a piece of uh, gear or equipment that you want me to review, tell me what it is. I'll see if I can get it from the company and uh, I'll make a video out of it. And uh, keep coming. And by the way, don't forget that uh, that coupon, Podcast Method 2020, over at, uh, over at fireside.fm if you're interested in starting or hosting your podcast. And by the way, if you want to switch from some other platform, it's a one-click import. We've got it all I'm telling you. So thanks to everyone who listened to this. Tell your friends about it. And uh, can't wait to do more of these for you, but I need your feedback. So send those questions. Have a great week. I'll see you soon. <laughs>